Please pray with me. Dearest God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever run into a friend or a neighbor in an unexpected setting? Maybe on a trip to Paris, you see your Loveland neighbor at the entrance to the Orsay. Most of us have, right? Do you remember those moments of stammered, static-filled thoughts when your mind seemed to race to catch up with your sensory input? Your thoughts may have echoed mine. There is Mary Humstone. No, what? What? Mary Humstone in Paris. Yes. Hi, Mary. I'm so surprised to see you here. Those experiences, though actually quite common, are still remarkable. They can each be a small revelation of how perception works. To perceive means to notice, to recognize, or to understand. Our databases of experience influence perception and can determine what we notice, see, and hear, what we recognize and understand on our vacations and on a road to a town called Emmaus. As Clara and Taryn read in the Gospel of Luke, the two disciples in this text did not recognize Jesus. It says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. These words pose questions and prompt our wondering about what kept their eyes. In this story, these two men had been through the traumas of Holy Week. They had been with Jesus in Jerusalem as this man they had devoted their lives to for a time was martyred in a brief series of desperate steps. They had had an experience like a long, guttural scream. And when their grief was still paralyzingly strong, they began to hear that, no, Jesus was not dead. He was alive and speaking. A mixture of faith and fear of certainty and uncertainty must have been walking with them as they tried to talk through their experiences and decide what they believed at that point. All of this was happening when a stranger joined them, and they did not recognize him. The disciples were in the midst of finding the ground again. After their world had shifted,
The disciples were in the midst of finding the ground again after their world had shifted dramatically under their feet. We share this with them now. In so many ways, we are also walking on a road trying to process the many traumas and changes of our times. We can name these. We know this litany well. The pandemic, climate change, Ukraine, inflation, supply chain issues and shortages, gun violence, insurrection, on and on. Each of these would be enough to confuse and to challenge us, and there are just so many. Our own minds and hearts are filled with that same mixture of faith and fear, certainty and uncertainty, as our conclusions are made elusive and temporary again and again by the next development on any of these fronts. Take the pandemic, masks or no masks, mandated, required, optional, encouraged. And what do we do when that next variant on the horizon reaches us and COVID numbers again go in the wrong direction? What then? There are more changes to absorb. Living near open space has been a great sought after placement. We have zoned these into residential developments, and now open space can pose a serious urban wildfire hazard with disastrous possibilities, as we have just seen. And the ground shifts beneath our feet. Inflation. Inflation was mainly familiar to many of us for years as a chapter in our econ text. And now it is impacting every item of our budgets. This is disorienting even for those in our society who find balancing their budgets quite easy. It is devastating for those who do not. And there is Ukraine. Such an aggression was for a time relegated to history, memorials, and novels, and now the ground shifts again. Fear and faith, certainty and uncertainty are walking with us now. What do we recognize? What are we kept from recognizing? What and whom are we not seeing? Putting our heads down, reverting our eyes, and choosing to limit what we take in, what we see and hear can be reasonable reactions to our times. We can choose to look away, we can choose to protect ourselves and those we love, tightening our circle of concern and action. 
and in so doing, we can also fail to recognize Jesus. As in the story Ian shared last week, he and his son could have failed to notice and approach a man named Moses with an eye. They could have failed to recognize a person with a story that touched on all it means to be a child of God. Someone also on a road walking through faith and fear, loss and trauma, trying to find the ground with each next step. What a loss that would have been, a loss in both directions, for Ian and Ian and for Moses, if their eyes had been kept from recognizing each other. Our lives are filled with times to be on both sides of this equation, noticing and being noticed, seeing and being seen. I'd like to share an experience I had many years ago, one of those we all have had that we remember so clearly, it seems like yesterday. Here's what happened. My four children and I went on our first spring break as a fivesome to Disney World in beautiful Orlando. There are many stories about the younger brothers and the older sisters and a parent in the middle that I won't share this morning, but I do want to tell you what happened when we got back to Denver. I lost the car. I thought I would recognize the place I had parked, but I couldn't find it. Again, we had been to Orlando, and in the spirit of vacation, we had dressed for our trip back in shorts and flip-flops. When we arrived, the temperature was 23 degrees. The wind was blowing fiercely, and it was snowing, a true blizzard. Also in vacation spirit that night, my family had had enough together time. <laughs> we were all just wanting to be home and in our own personal spaces for a while. And I couldn't find the car. The five of us wandered around the parking garage for a while, a very unpopular and totally ineffective approach. So I decided to park, truly no pun is intended here, I decided to park the children inside the airport on comfortable benches while I went solo. And that is when the blessing of being seen happened. I called an emergency number I found in the garage and up drove a man in a pickup truck, a parking therapist. <laughs> his willingness to make conversation beyond his job, to say things like, 
Oh, don't worry. At least you knew your license plate number. And, you know, I once drove a woman around for 45 minutes before she realized she had parked in Colorado Springs. <laughs> These words seemed to reveal that he could recognize me as a flawed but trying human being in those moments and was willing to offer gifts I will never forget. We found the car. I had just parked on the other side of DIA. The clues might have worked had we looked on the east side, not the west. A story for the family archive and a lesson about seeing others received from a stranger willing to see me and share kindness and humor. In our text today, the disciples' eyes were opened when at table, the stranger from the road broke the bread and shared it with them, and they remembered the Last Supper in Jerusalem. Their minds and hearts returned to their life with Jesus before his death. They returned to a time of relationship and learning, to experiences of goodness and healing and serving. Their eyes were opened to the risen Christ in this reverie and to faith against fear. Faith in God against both certainty and uncertainty to be sure these keepers of our eyes, fear and equally certainty and uncertainty can be tangled, difficult to measure and see beyond. And to be sure, there is our faith in our God who sent his son, our God, the source of strength and guidance, the one who opens our eyes. What is the true faithful vision for our lives now? What do we commit to seeing clearly and recognizing daily? Each other, neighbors and strangers, Jesus in the voice of another, God in the face of another, what? Amen.